Hi, I'm Dale Mayfield. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And this is the Prophetic Imagination Station Podcast. Where we discuss evangelical media from the 80s and 90s to understand how it impacted us and our generation. This season, we're talking about DC Talk's album, Jesus Creek. Welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. Today, Danielle, we are going to listen to an episode of you talking to your sisters. Yes. About Jesus Freaks, the book that goes with the album. My sisters are here, y'all. I think you can tell I'm very high energy in this episode. Because when me and my sisters get together, it's a thing. It is unlike any uh, vibe of our episodes ever, I would say. Because <laughs> it's me and my sisters. I'm in the middle of three it was nice to process some stuff with them, and I think together we have a really great picture of three very different responses to Jesus Freak. <laughs> yeah, it is really great. I really appreciated editing it. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I do really like your sisters. Yeah, and they love you. They freaking love you, man. They do. Okay, but before we go there, uh-huh. we wanted to talk a little bit about our Patreon community. Yeah. And just say, we appreciate so much the support we've gotten. It's actually our six-year anniversary. Yeah. Can you believe it? We started this um, right after Trump was inaugurated. Yeah, so January 20th or 21st, I think, was when we started recording. But we Mm -hmm. didn't actually put out the episodes until... The beginning of February. Mm -hmm. So way back when... What was that? 2016? 2017? 2017. 2017. So we've been doing this for a while and we want to keep doing it. However, we do have to think about some of the financial aspects of it because um, we started this off very anarchist and I love that about us, right? We don't do ads. And also we started our Patreon with very low tiers, including like a $1.50 tier. And, you know, you don't get more content if you pay more money. It was just sort of like pay as you can. But, you know, like the cost for hosting a podcast and also like the mental cost of doing good work, we have to sort of assess where we're going in the future. And so we do want to make this a little bit more solvent, I guess. And so I think we can ask people, hey, if you've never supported us on Patreon before, you can join. You can join for as little as $1.50 a month. But if you want to pay $4 a month, that would be awesome. I'm, I'm trying to think like... What else is $1.50 a month? I'm like, it's not even a cup of coffee anymore. That's how much inflation has changed from six years ago. When we Maybe we started Patreon five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or um, at some point. I'm not sure when. I feel but... like a cup of coffee is now $3. And um, anyways, so we do want to say thanks to everybody who has supported us. But if, if you want to join us, we'd really love to have you. And that way we will be able to see if, if we're going to be able to keep this going um, in the future. Because it does, you know, it it takes time to do the kind of work we want to do with the level of depth we want to do. Yeah. I mean, just on the editing end, it does. It is several hours um, of both editing things down, setting up interviews. And um, it's been important to us for accessibility to have transcripts that go with our episodes. And you're doing all this on your own, right? Yes. And you are somebody who works a full-time job does writing on the side like your caseload is bigger than any therapist i know like you guys crispin is working himself out to the bone we'd love to be able to pay someone um to be able to do this transcription stuff to do some of this editing work but we can't and so 
you know, this has just been a labor labor of love this entire time. And I think we are at the point where we're like, we want to do good work, but it's exhausting. And so we don't run ads. We don't do any of that stuff. And we're not opposed to it, but we get like a decent amount of listens. We just are really bad. We're, we're like busy little depressed little anarchists. So we don't, you know, have, do a good job of, of saying, hey, we do need more support if we're going to be able to keep going. So that's just the honest truth of it. Part of it is we're just at a place in our life right now of looking at like, what do we hold on to? What would, what do we let go yeah. of? What do we prioritize? Mm-hmm. Um, look, You know, obviously finances is a part of that. And so looking at all the time that we are investing in this, again, we really appreciate people that have been supporting us along the way and are just asking folks if you want to join us um, or join in supporting or up that a little bit, that would make a big difference on our end in terms of being able to continue to invest uh, in this podcast that we love so much. Yeah. Six years in, I'm proud of the work we've done. And in order to be proud of the work we do in the future, yeah, we just have to invest in this a little bit more. So that's just what we'll say. And um, if you are a patron supporter, we do have a great little Facebook community going and we do once a month patron only episodes that we just can feel a little bit freer to talk in those, I, I think, oh, because nobody's going to pay to hate listen. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. Right. This week, we just released one two days ago. So if you join our Patreon now, you'll get access to that episode. And it is, Danielle, you're talking about your deconversion experience mm-hmm. and what that has been like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've been doing it for a while now. So there's a whole backlog of us talking about Frank Peretti and Brio Magazine and an episode about Sean Foyt. And, yeah, so um, if you like listening to us jabber, there's a whole backlog mm-hmm. that you can access. Yeah, so that's what comes with supporting us. Um, we would ask that you would just consider it so that we can make this sustainable long term. Thank you so much. Okay, this is an extremely special episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. This is like a worldwide exclusive because for the first time ever, I'm recording a podcast with my sisters. Welcome, sisters. Yay. Hello. Yay. Okay, uh, you guys need to introduce both of yourselves and let's go in birth order okay let's start with the oldest uh Lindsay introduce yourself to the podcast listeners hello I'm Lindsay the eldest Stranigan sister I'm about as classic older sister as you can get I'm also I think now known as the neurotypical sister oh yeah yeah the lone neurotypical okay yeah Yeah. I've heard that everyone needs a neurotypical sister so we do that is correct okay tell us a little bit more about yourself though uh I am senior warden at my Episcopal church in Portland Oregon okay thanks for flashing that uber christian card at us <laughs> i know i'm just throwing it out there it's i am important to this conversation i am neurotypical and i am still religious so there we go <laughs> a senior <laughs> warden yeah it means i am the board president yeah and i think growing up in an evangelical church where women couldn't actually have any power is kind of fun too and you're you're quite good with power <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a compliment it is and i also am doing the deconstruction podcast thing i'm on that train my podcast is called holy ghosting am i allowed to promote it yes, on your show please, i'm promoting my podcast on my sister's podcast so there you yeah, go yeah ours i mean it's it's different i'm the only christian on that my podcast the others are like witches and it's pretty we're very sacrilegious yeah i mean james dobson would be proud right we grew up listening to christian radio and now we basically make 
unchristian radio. But yours is kind of Christian still because you are a Christian. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ish. I think most there's a lot of Christians who would not like my podcast. Christian ish also describes me currently. I would say probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Holy Ghosting, and where can people find the Holy Ghosting thing? On TikTok and Instagram and holyghosting.com and you know wherever you can stream podcasts season two is coming out in early 2023 and we are interviewing people and also talking about our own experiences basically that were taboo or things that don't fit in the narrow confines of evangelicalism so we're going to talk to some queer folks we're going to talk to fat folks we're going to talk to neurodivergent folks all sorts of Mm -hmm. fun things like that people that tried really hard yeah you know something about that i do okay so it's like alternate testimonies which i love and I'll be, we'll be chatting with you a little bit more about how weird it is that you're like the religious one of the family, but we'll get to that, right? We'll get to that story. Okay. So that's Lindsay. That's the older sister. I'm the bizarro middle child. Everybody knows me who listens to this podcast. Now we have my younger sister, Candace. Candace. This is your first time ever recording a podcast. Yeah. I'm I'm super nervous, actually. This is uh, uncomfy. Okay. Don't be nervous. And you can use your weird voices if you want to. Okay. I have a lot of special interest voices. I like accents, so they might pop up i'm excited to see if that happens because oh, i'm i love the australian one in particular oh, okay <laughs> and the cockney okay so candace <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself to people who are listening oh god where to start i know um i have nothing to promote don't worry i have zero <laughs> social media <laughs> presence don't worry candace did the whole route where she tried to disappear from the internet i did i went loud and proud for a while yeah. really anti-trump got in a lot of trouble for that uh, Maybe my... got kicked out of YWAM. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Might have gotten in Who big knows? trouble. So just been slowly disappearing, you know, just from social media. It feels good. I'm the youngest. Um, I think I was considered the wild child of the family, which is interesting because I actually think I'm pretty tenderhearted. You were the strong-willed yeah, child. Yeah, strong-willed, strong-willed child <laughs> represent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit, too, with your story. Yeah, but... I think it's, you know, I think it's actually been a good thing in the long run to be strong-willed or labeled that way eventually as I figured it out what that actually means can we edit this this is terrible no it's fine it's great (laughs) so okay so yeah we'll talk more a bit about you being the strong-willed child but you want to tell anything about like kind of your history your past with Christianity I mean only as much as you're comfortable and I think this is a really good real-time look at like it's hard to talk about these things it's hard to talk about them publicly Mm. and everybody should just listen to themselves and share what they want to share and don't share anything more than that but just yeah so if you think about anything like "Mm, what do i want to share about my life do you have any like here's my uber christian card here's here's how you were all in yeah i was a missionary for 12 years Mm -hmm. you know i was absolutely absolutely all in i man i felt like i absolutely drank the kool-aid um and they say the people who are so invested to the point where once you deconstruct, it's pretty devastating. That's kind of where I'm at. You know, I was absolutely invested. I felt like I really I still actually really love who Jesus is and what he personifies and all of that. But everything surrounding that, all of the rules, all the expectations, all of the power dynamics within um, the religious organization that I was working with and even, you know, how we were raised in our childhood um that's also toxic it's been toxic for me yeah and my personality and who I am and you know becoming myself finally kind of detaching from that and taking a break and rediscovering who I am has been lovely yeah it's been really good yeah no I love that so we've gone through a lot 
in our lives. I think people listening to this podcast know a little bit about our childhood. I always just say, like, I'm a pastor's kid, and I was homeschooled most of my life. Um, do you guys think there's any color you want to add to that? Any Anything else? Like, how do you describe our childhood to people? Oh, God. How can we? Where to start? <laughs> Where to start? But do you talk to people about it? Sometimes. And sometimes you got to, like... Um, do a, like a soft opening. Okay, right? what's your soft launch? Like, how do you like? <laughs> like how do you float? How weird you, our childhood. You was? start with like, oh, you know, I was a homeschooled pastor's kid. Right. So that's right. what I do. And then yeah. you, gauge, you gauge the response. You're okay. like, how how much further can I go? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Or pull the like. I mean, for me, I never went to public school a day in my life. So there's that. Like, oh, <laughs> should we get into this now? Because we all have kind of different, so different school experiences. So mine was, I did not go to school until my junior year of high school. Because you refused to go to school with me. <laughs> because my parents would only let us go to Christian school. And Lindsay, there's one Christian school in Northern California where we were, we were living when I was entering high school. And Lindsay was like the queen bee of the <laughs> Christian school. And and she's like gorgeous, tall, popular, and I'm just like this short, frumpy, neurodivergent <laughs> teen who dresses like a boy because they don't feel like they have gender. You know, that's me. And I was like, I can't, I can't go there and be Lindsay's little sister. I just can't. So I just, I just schooled myself. And you guys always make fun of me because I did all these video curriculum from Pensacola. <laughs> Trevor uh, T. Like, they'd always make fun because the teachers would pick on some of the students in the video classes, including Trevor T. in algebra. And I just watched Prices Right. I was living my best life <laughs> playing bass by myself at home. And I was like, no way do I want to go to that shitty Christian school. No. But okay, let's go to Lindsay. Lindsay, how was your schooling? Um, I mean, the thing I remember from the homeschool days is sort of, I'm such a social butterfly, so it was hard for me. Like, we did sports and things, but I just... Not enough. Like... In one way, we didn't really do a lot of homeschool co-ops, which I'm grateful for because I did not want to hang out with other homeschoolers. There's like one homeschool family in our youth that I remember that we were all friends with and I did love them, the Ross girls. Uh And that was great. But beyond that, I don't really remember hanging out. It was mostly we made friends at church. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. And then once I got to go to school, I didn't even care that it was Christian school. I was just so thrilled to like have people and run for class president. And you were involved in everything. Yes, I was. And I think, I mean, this is, we'll probably get into this more later, but my personality and sort of how I dealt with a lot of these things is I just like would get out as I I was little miss independent. I got my driver's license the second that I could. I got a job that I got a job when I was 15 because yeah. I was like, I am going to pay for my own things. And then once I got a car, it was just like, see ya. Like I was going to be involved in every sport because I just I would go and do those things and not be home. So, yep. so yep. you were very independent from a very young age, right? Yeah. Yep. And you were like, I'm going to take care of myself. Yes. Which it can be a hallmark of firstborn children especially if they feel like they can't really rely on their caregivers so much, you know, to, uh, to well, uh, take yeah. care of them. It's the hallmark of this firstborn child who went through some, there's a lot of traumatic events in my childhood. So I, pretty quickly I just decided that I was the person who was going to take care of me and kind of ran with that. Yeah, forever. I remember when we were kids, you telling me and Candace, like, mom cares about God more than us. Like, you were pretty pissed that our mom was extremely into the charismatic movement and was always going to conferences and going to extra services in church, you know, because my dad wasn't charismatic, so he didn't pastor charismatic churches, but she would find those churches in whatever town we were at and do that. And I remember you just being pretty pissed about it. Like, 
Yeah, she was really into it. And I think it's just, yeah, that's just not my personality. I don't go all in on one thing. And I was just like, dude, you chill a little bit. I also think, like, the charismatic movement made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, you hated it. I did you not. You hated it. I was like, hard pass. I do not, like. Like, when you were a little kid, you hated it. Yeah. I was like, why are people flopping on the ground? That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slave of the spirit, hard pass. Hard pass. (laughs) Giving up control, no thank you. I would love to bring up that she says she doesn't go all like hard into one thing or all out into one thing. That must be nice as a neurotypical. (laughs) Like, I know who is she? Who is she? I don't get it. It does not Who is she? She didn't try and be an Uber Christian to get her mom's approval. Dive in, deep dive. Okay, Candace, let's talk about your schooling experience. Oh god. It's a mess. Um, mom you know, tried really hard to homeschool me, but I don't learn the same way as you both. I can't just be, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just scratch Candace. Yeah. Let the record show the cat has scratched me. Um, so you, she just would give you guys books and you could teach yourselves. I could not do that. And so I think eventually mom figured out that I was not thriving being homeschooled. And so I think at sixth grade, I went to Forest Lake. The same Christian school as Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then we moved uh, to Central Oregon. And so then I was homeschooled again for a year. And then eighth grade went back to Christian school. And then freshman year went to Sisters Public High School. Which is where I went when I was a junior. So that was Mm -hmm. my first public school experience. By far the best. I definitely preferred public over any of the other schooling methods that I um, was introduced to. So, yeah, it was a mess. I never really felt like I belonged. Like I went to three different high schools because we moved so often. My dad or our dad was constantly taking new jobs, places. And, um, yeah, went to three high schools, the final one being Barlow High in uh, Boring, Oregon. Yeah. So. so you had a really scattered life and you didn't really get to experience community. And, yeah, you had learning disabilities that went undiagnosed because we moved mm-hmm. around so much and you never really got the care. And, mm-hmm. and we used to laugh like mom was the original unschooler because she just didn't do anything. Like. <laughs> And some years it was like, well, we're just reading Little House on the Prairie and making acorn pancakes, and that's it Dude, for the I, year. I just told that story to my podcast co-host. Yeah, and they were dying. They're like, wait, Little House on the Prairie, like that was a homeschool curriculum. I was like, my yeah, mom said it was, yeah. but I think we just read the books and made acorn pancakes for a little year, and, the, and then barfed from them. Oh yeah, they were so bitter. Yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't because they poisoned us, but they were horrible. <laughs> Don't we make said it- amongst ourselves, we were like, guys, I think. They were poisoned. (laughs) (laughs) No, they were just really crappy pancakes, okay? Really crappy. Don't make acorn pancakes. Yeah, that that was like one year. I think mom was just really depressed and didn't want to do anything. So anyways, (laughs) I loved it because I just read what what little books I had access to over and over again and just loved being alone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But everybody else, it wasn't so great. So that's just one example of, um, we just thought like, that's how everybody was raised. Especially because who we knew were other extremely religious kids who were either homeschooled or their entire social life was the church, right? That we went to these small, what my dad would call, what would would they even call the churches? Just a Christian church? Non-denominational. Non-denominational, right? And so now we have this language of like evangelicalism and white evangelicalism, which our parents and their theology fits perfectly into, but we would never use those terms, right? Mm. It kind of bugs me when people today so are like, well, I don't identify as evangelical. I'm like... If you grew up non-denominational, I'm sorry, that is classic uh, evangelical culture, right? So, yeah, that's that's a part of how we grew up. And 
I don't know if we really want to get into this yet, but do we, do we want to talk about uh, kind of what our experience was in relation to Christianity being the overarching drive of our parents' lives? And how did you experience it? I think people who listen to this podcast know that I obviously went all in, right? As as like a genuine response a child can have when their caregivers are deeply obsessed with a religion or ideology or worldview, mm. okay? So that's what I did. I went all in. But I want to hear from both of you. And I want to start this time with Candace. Mm. okay? How did you <laughs> respond? Or maybe I should even ask, like, is this a part of your childhood memories? Do you remember... Christianity being the thing that our life revolved around. There was no other choice. That literally was my framework. I, there was no other option. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. It colored everything. Um, Do you, can you think of examples of like when you say it colored everything? Like, how did that show up in our little life? Like, there really was no option to think outside of that, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I thought... It, it encompassed everything. So I, everything felt very narrow and compressed because there was no way, like there wasn't any other option, I guess. So and I, I guess if you want to go back to even how you guys are talking about, you know, Voice of the Martyrs or whatever, right, in your podcast. So we were introduced to this concept that we were most likely going to be martyred. Can I mention that now? Is this appropriate? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I guess the overarching thing to say is, my mom and you guys to let me know what you think about this i always thought mom went through a few phases of being obsessed with the end times but also mm-hmm. maybe just sometimes it got more intense than other times but that was sort of a through line of our childhood as our mom was convinced the world was ending yeah and yeah. she was preparing us for yeah. that you know out of love like as a parent who tried <laughs> very hard to love their children you know what the best thing to do is to prepare your kids also for the impending doom right yes. to prepare our souls and yeah. all that and so uh, when I look at the three of us, uh, we all ingested that information very differently Yeah. Um, out of, you know, survival. And mine was like, ah, oh, God, I really don't want to be murdered. Like, that sounds really unfun. Yes. <laughs> but I ended up kind of having to embrace it because I didn't n- think there was another option. So it's kind of like, I guess I just have to bravely face martyrdom, you know? <laughs> like, How old do you think you were when this happened? Oh, she showed me the thief in the night, all of us, when we were living in Alaska. I was five. Jeez, wheeze. Yeah, I was five. And um, it was like at the same time we were watching like the Hobbit cartoons, you know. Um, But I remember she, yeah, we had to watch Thief in the Night. And we were like being told to be prepared that we could not deny Jesus in the end time. Yeah, just just for people who aren't aware, The Thief of the Night is a movie from the 70s about the Antichrist coming and killing Christians with the guillotine. I mean, it's also about the rapture, too. Mm-hmm. But the end is this woman getting her head chopped off with the guillotine. Yeah. Because she yeah. refused to d- deny Christ. Yeah. And that's what... Yeah. And mom's like, yeah, that's what you guys are going to have to do, yeah. too. Yeah. And I was, you know, eight, I think, or nine. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was like a huge formative... Yeah. Part for me too. And what when you're faced with that at such a young age and there's no other adult you know, telling you otherwise. There's yeah. no one in my life being like, Hey, let's like rethink this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's have uh, some other ideas thrown about what your future could look like. And so you kind of just go into these coping mechanisms and mine was like, God, like I'll ignore it for as long as I can, but I suppose like I just have to embrace it. Like yeah. I'm gonna bravely be the wild child for God, you know, I got labeled Wonder Woman for God really early because someone prophesied that over me. Mm-hmm. So I just, <laughs> okay, Doubting Thomas. 
Yeah, which brings us to my prophecy. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Oh, old Doubting Thomas over here. Yeah. Well, joke's on you because okay, so- I, I got out of some big T trauma because of my doubts. So. Okay, so let's just set the scene here. So my mom obviously was into charismatic stuff, all that. Um, I was prophesied over that I would die martyr's death before I was 16. Okay. And now was this like the same lady. This was like the same night we all went to okay, at okay. a vineyard church in Cody, Wyoming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Candace was prophesying. They, this is the kind of church that I needed to like just take it <laughs> yes, back yeah. a moment where there are dancers up front with streamers. Yeah. Were they flopping on the floor? I don't probably. <laughs> I yeah, Lindsay like, also hated out. streamer dancing. I'm freaking sure. hated it. I was like, why are we using streamers for the Lord? Jesus doesn't give a shit about your I streamers. Liked it. I like the streamers. It's much guys, better than the hysterical laughter. Oh, the laughing. Laugh- Okay. Yeah, the yeah, laughing okay. was that was just I was like, how do like now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, that was demons, right? <laughs> no, it's called mass hysteria, Lindsay. Jeez, look it up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so there, so yeah, so this this one church in this one night of prophecy, and they also could have been one in Northern California too. I think there was two like big prophecy yeah, nights. I, I remember mine being in Wyoming. That the yes, the that's what Cal- I, yeah, I remember yeah. too. But they, they, the prophecies got like. Um, we were confirmed. Just, we were just proud of it over okay. so many times. And so Candace, Candace was, you know, the strong-willed child in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, the prophecies were, she's like Paul. She was a Saul. She's, she's going to be a Paul, you know. And when she finally commits her life to Christ, she's yeah. going to great things. We're going to be Wonder change Woman for God. Okay, she's going to be a world changer. I was just going to die. That was it. <laughs> oh, okay, I was born to die. Okay, oh. I was born to die. That's how really I cool felt thing it. to tell a child. Super, Super. Dupe. especially if that child's autistic. It was like, well, God said, so I have to believe it. And God said it. I believe it. That settles. I it. mean, I I think I've shared this before. Like, I didn't get my driver's license. I didn't do any of that shit. I didn't figure where I wanted to go to college because I was like, well, I'm dying, y'all. You know, why make plans? Anywho, Lindsay, tell us about you, what they <laughs> prophesied over you. So imagine me and Candace getting these epic ones and my mom just like in raptures of happiness that both of her kids are going to die for God. Okay, now yeah. I'll go to Lindsay. <laughs> and I just remember this lady just like praying over me intently and then like opening her eyes and looking at me and just telling me that the Lord told her that I'm doubting Thomas. And like, that was it. That was all the prophecy. That was the only prophecy you I think in my like honestly, I don't remember if there were others things that were prophesied over me. I don't remember Nobody that one. Ever had words of knowledge for you? Nope. Uh-uh. Nobody ever I had like, visions I of you. I just want to know how skeptical I must have looked in that weird little. And charismatic you were like church. eleven. Yeah, right. Twelve. Yeah, probably. Somewhere probably just standing stick straight and yeah. judging the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I think so. And she- honestly, that's what they do if they know that somebody's not all in. I feel like they will say stuff like that and just like get you out of the picture. Yeah. And well, do, you, do you feel like what did mom do? It was just like, yeah, you're right. That one's a lost cause. I won't focus on her anymore. Yeah. I don't remember like having more conversations about it or maybe mom said something to like make me not because I remember I was bummed. I was like, it was not a good, good prophecy. Yeah, let's talk about it. We laugh about it. But what was it like for you? It was just like, cool. My sisters are going to go do these amazing things. And then yeah, it's you were just, jealous like, of me getting my head cut off by no, Antichrist. No, I just like. But the attention. Well, yeah, and I'm competitive, and I want everyone to, like, you know, <gasps> approve of me. And, oh, yeah. well, and I think that, like, oftentimes I did a pretty good job of, like, faking it in evangelicalism and just being, because I uh, was, what? I don't think so. No, I, no, I think you did, and that's, and we're going to get to talking about, I mean, guys, who if you're listening, we really are actually going to talk about Jesus Freak it's and the true, book. We are getting there. This is yeah. all really important background, because... Yeah. 
I'm really curious, Lindsay, about how you sort of interact with things like Jesus Freak and the accompanying like Voice of the Martyrs, right? And they're all connected, right? It's like, are you going to do big things for God? Are you 100% sold out to God? Do you believe this? Have you led, left all your logic at, and skepticism at the door? And are you all in? What was it like for you when Jesus Freak came out in 1995, which is, you know, a little bit after, right? You had these prophecies on you where you're doubting Thomas. What was it like for you? Because you were really into music. Yeah. So what was it like for you when you listened to Jesus Freak? I mean... I loved that album. I mean, the song Jesus Freak still slaps is a good song. And we were not allowed to listen to secular music. And so I think... Unless it was country. True. Yeah. Or, and again, until I got my driver's license and then I could, like, listen to the radio in my car. I could listen to whatever I wanted. But, like, Christian rock music really, like, opened up a whole world for me. And I think DC Talk was the first concert I ever went to i mean wait you carmen can't, like, lindsey carmen in, in in wyoming but Did you remember? Oh, Montana. i like bare i don't know if i went i literally don't have memory of going to I carmen concert you did. oh maybe you didn't there's okay. a lot of weird things in our childhood where they remember and i'm just like i don't think i, I just like no i don't i, was no like, I don't know what i was okay. doing yeah. but um yeah i like i remember thinking the song like colored people i was like oh my gosh it's like so progressive oh, like no. i remember <laughs> I was like, look at that. And the, I mean, they had a black eye in the band, you know, like. So everything's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, mind you, can we talk about the fact that in my Christian high school that I went to, there was one black person in my high school. Wow. One. Yeah. So not I was not surprising. around a lot of yeah. people of color in my childhood. So, of course, I thought that song was, like, awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, but for me, it was always just, like, music. I thought it was fun. I bought my Jesus Freak t-shirt. But I didn't buy, like, I didn't buy the book. I didn't care. But I was like, if Jesus, if DZ Talk's going to tell me to be a martyr, I'm just going to, like, ignore that. Really? So you so you kind of separated it. And you didn't, you, you thought, like, this sounds cool. I like some of the things. But you weren't really thinking about the lyrics or anything like that. Not really. Like, again, it was just sort of, like, a way for me to be able to listen to things that I wanted to, that I liked. That you enjoyed. Yeah. You blast yeah. it in your little car. Yeah, and it was socially acceptable in our circles and our family. And then I discovered wonderful things like Tooth and Nail later, where it was like half of those bands weren't even really Christian. But to our parents, it was a Christian record label. Yes. So I was like, if Tooth and Nail puts it out, I can listen to it. Heck yes. I don't know what you were doing, because mom literally made me show her the liner notes of every Tooth and Nail band, and I had to prove how one song was about God, basically. <laughs> I was in there doing the work, and you were just out there listening to it, okay? I was lost cause. I just don't think they were even trying with me at this point. I know, you, Again, I was yeah. like off. I had a CD player. My, my mom couldn't, like, what was she going to do? You had friends. Yeah, I, I did. did not. So I think therein lies the difference between us, Lindsay. Okay, on to Candice. Candice, what do you remember about Jesus Freaks? Because so you had already sort of been like, eventually I will give in and I will be a martyr, but I'm just going to draw and think about horses and yes. not really think about it too much. I think, too, by the time that stuff rolled around, I had enough outside influences. I'm also extremely social, so I had a lot of other... First, it started out being homeschool friends, but then Christian school friends. Yeah. And none of them had been told about the end of time. And they, and so it just kind of was like, oh, like maybe. Really? Guys, this common denominator really is that I had no friends. So I never knew. I never <laughs> oh, knew. Sweet summer child. I know. Yeah. So I think uh, by the time all that stuff came out, I, I loved the music and we were like only really allowed to listen to that, you know. Um, but I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of like martyrdom okay. anymore okay. it was more of like okay this is Saul this is Bob 
Um, and I I'd pushed the thoughts of martyrdom all the way to the back of, I mean, I still wanted to be like Wonder Woman for God and yeah. make my mom like me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really take it so deeply to heart. I just thought it was a bop. Yeah. Okay. So this is good. This, I think this is a really good insight into how these like pop culture artifacts from white evangelicalism can really hit different, right? Depending on the kid, their personality, their neurotype, you know, all these different things going on. And so obviously I'm the one that was like, I thought the music was pretty good, um, but I got really obsessed with the book, the Jesus Freaks Mm. book. Okay. And I know we had it. I know I read it cover to cover and that mom talked a lot about it being like, oh yeah, this is like our version of Fox's Book of Martyrs, which she read to us a little bit out of Fox's Book of Martyrs, right? Um, But she was like, this is better. And so read this. And would you guys remember the book at all? Because when I tried, when I showed you the cover, you both had a response. Do you remember what it was (laughs) when I showed you the cover? You were both like, ew, no, put that away. (laughs) Like, no. I was like, I think I just like rolled my eyes or something. You made me read like the intro and I was just like, stop. This is such bullshit. Okay, let's get into that. I remember you made me read the intro and what I think my, you were like, how did this make you feel when you read it when you were younger? And I think my exact response was like, like I liked Jesus, but I was like, didn't I was not gonna die for this shit. Like I was like, I did not sign up to die. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my prophecy. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, like that's a normal response to have to this book. Like Jesus is fine. I'm not dying for this thing, y'all. And you were like, one more reason to peace out, right? <laughs> yes. Of I moved the away to college the movement. second I could. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna go find my own way. I also remember, like, so I was talking about this with, with Candace the other night. Like, I think that my way of dealing with things was knowing that it was like a possibility. You know, we were told our whole lives that the Antichrist was coming, but you know, every liberal, you know, politician that was whatever going to take over the world or something was possibly the antichrist there's a lot of fear of that and i just like i think my whole theory in life is just like i'll burn that bridge when i get there or prove it right like Um, like i'll deal with it if it happens but i'm gonna live like it's not gonna happen yeah but i also trust in my abilities to take care of myself i'm scrappy like I think about it, I'm like, sure, if there was like a rapture or apocalypse or the Antichrist or if there's like a zombie apocalypse, like I'm a survivor. You I'll are a survivor. figure it out. That's correct. I am not. I, <laughs> well, clearly why, you're supposed to die. I mean, that's kind of why survivor. I think the martyr stories are <laughs> the interesting. to not survive. <laughs> <laughs> the martyr stories are interesting to me because in retrospect, I was a really anxious, overwhelmed, traumatized kid. And I was like, sure, I'll die. That sounds great. I can't survive. It's really sad, you guys. And people who are listening to this, if you know people in your life or you were that child who gravitated towards this material and was obsessed with verses like for, you know, for him, for me to die and him to live is Christ's gain or something, you know, all these like verses, right? Um, If you were into martyr stories, um, if you really wanted to be Beth in Little Women, I'm sorry, but you have some passive suicidal ideation. You know what I mean? That needs to be, oh, that needs to be dealt with. And I'm dealing with mine in my own life. But that's just the freaking truth of it, okay? And these stories, the stories of martyrs, right, they exist for a couple purposes. One is to, like, force people to commit more strongly to the religion and ideology. 
and you know their country to be perfectly honest like there's two groups that use martyr stories it's religion and it's countries right and in america like we have the marriage of the two like it's so great um and so Lindsay, i think it's just so cool and i am really inspired that you were just able to be like nope i'm not doing that like you had your own sense of autonomy and self and in some ways it's kind of sucks like because you had to develop that so young right because you felt like you couldn't depend on our caregiver to do that so i'm like that protected you in some ways. I'm like, wow, I think that's kind of amazing. And Candace, sounds like you were not as intense as me, but it was still, you were still like, yeah, this could be coming. Um, What do you you remember about the book at all? Or martyr stories that mom would tell us in general? I mean, like a true Enneagram 7, that stuff terrified me. And so I tried to fill my life with as many distractions as possible. Like ferrets. Uh, so you many were ferrets. so into animals hedgehogs I mean I had I had it all Daegu. yeah yeah you did <laughs> yeah so like a true Enneagram 7 like the um terror was always just right under the surface but I uh distracted myself with a lot of fun and friends and yeah. uh, a lot of adventure and travel those books absolutely scarred me I don't remember which book this particular story came okay. from but there was a book or a story about Christians, <laughs> this might be a trigger warning. It's terrible. Of like Christians were forced to like lay down, and then they were slowly steamrolled to death. Okay, as like I part missed, of I missed that one. Yeah, it I'm was sure it's in, in. I'm sure it's in one of these books. It's in one of the two that you yeah. mentioned, and I just remember being like, God, if I'm to be martyred, can it not be the steamroll? Like I just quick like let's do a firing god squad. if you're <laughs> good you would let me not be steamrolled wheeling and dealing with god about yeah. my death i'm just saying our poor therapist like <laughs> i think about telling a therapist something like that so like when i was young i would pray to not be steamrolled like just make it Lord. quick god <laughs> make it quick <laughs> is that a sentence any other human has ever uttered probably no. <laughs> yes we are sadly. so relatable <laughs> as you think it is I know, That's which is also so sad sad and weird because i definitely remember the steamroller thing right you do okay but the thing that really terrified me of these books is this this they they just hammer it over and over and over again like you have to commit to never deny yeah christ because yeah. if you do like your entire life is in vain like yeah. if you capitulate the last second to not be steamrolled None yeah. of this is worth anything. You'll be steamrolled and sent to hell. <laughs> right. Well, what's on the Jesus Freak album? What's the like the the quote like the the sermon clip that they put in the album? Right about they deny him like with their yeah life. I feel like it's along those lines. Yeah. It's about like it's about not denying. Yeah, and so that's what I was really terrified of. Like, am I going to mm. crumble? because i don't what if i stumble what if i stumble what if i, fall? <laughs> what if I crumble and don't want to be steamrolled <laughs> at all at all actually alternate dc talk lyrics i mean i wish i had the strength of when i was a kid to be like actually mom i don't want to talk about dying all the time like when that, i don't want to mom mom i don't actually want to be a martyr but i couldn't mm. and so i think it's it is really hard to talk about these i'm glad i'm talking about it with you guys because like who else can we talk about this with? But again, these books were designed. The album is for everybody. The books in particular are very similar to like Acquire the Fire 
shit because at the end there's like a pledge you have to sign that you're a Jesus freak you will always you know and that's very acquired so the many, fiery so many pledges that so we sign but pledges are for teens okay so they're trying to get teens to pledge to, to sign up to be a martyr right because we had purity pledges mm-hmm. you know what I mean sure and then did. we had Jesus freak pledges and I also right did what was acquired the, the fire you're just gonna be on fire yes on for fire teens. for God yeah there's a little yeah. after the it's like the next iteration of fire oh right I just said it on fire for teen that's <laughs> Teen fire. <laughs> I'm an on fire for God teen. I mean, I just said shit like that all the time, as you know, Lindsay. As you I know. know, Candace was a little pieced out with her animals. Um, <laughs> so, okay, let's. I'm going to do like a rapid fire info about the book. Okay, okay. what do you think is the first story, the first martyr, oh quote unquote martyr reference in this book? I'm going to give you a hint. Humiliate. It's not true. What? <laughs> and it's from Columbine. Oh, I guess. <laughs> the girl that. Cassie. Girl Cassie Bernal. Yes. She said yes. You know, when the school shooter asked her if she believed in God, and That's she said yes. True. And go, I-, I mean, somebody said it was somebody else. Like, all this has been really debunked, but it's oh. it's wild and awful how that story was utilized and capitalized by Voice of the Martyrs and those t- types of folks. Well, it was like, see what we've yeah. been telling you all along. It's true. This could it's happen real. to you. Someone's going to. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so the rest of the book, um, I, I, I kind of tried to categorize the stories. Okay, because so some of the stories are from history. Again, similar to like Fox's Book of Martyrs, like the Roman Empire, all that stuff. Okay. Um, but what do you think is the main sort of community, religion, worldview countries that they demonize, that they portray as killing Christians, like in this book? What, do you, what, was it, what are your guesses? I mean, Middle East, right? Middle East, like Muslims? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, communist like... China, clearly. Wow, you guys are both very good at remembering. So actually, you guys <laughs> the... <laughs> have really good memories, okay? Um, the number one is communism, because that involves Russia. It involves um, China. I, I, I just love the books on Russian communists. I don't know if you guys ever read those books like Ivan the Book Smuggler and all the, the Bible oh. Smuggler and all these things. Okay, oh, so yeah. so c- stories where communists kill Christians are make up 45% of the book. Ooh. Okay. Stories where Muslims, okay, kill Christians make up 18.2%. And I think it's important to say like the Muslims and half of the communist ones, right, are present day, at least when this book was coming out, okay? Then we have sort of lumped together Catholics and weird Protestants in England, but mostly they're Catholics, right, who are really bad and kill other Christians. But I was like, at least they have a few instances of the Church of England, you know, Christians killing other Christians. And then we have the Roman Empire, and then we have Jewish people, unfortunately. So we just see, like... But you can see our faces. I know. My heart is like, (laughs) So I think it's important. I was like, I have to categorize just what this is. And I just wanted to ask this question to both of you guys. Like, what do you remember from our childhood when it came to the rhetoric around communism, socialism, and Islam? What do you guys remember? And Jewish people, I guess we could put in there, too. Yeah, which I don't remember... Because I was so big into studying the Holocaust, and so I feel like I always had a lot, like, that's yeah, all yeah. I remember yeah. about that, is that they were also a persecuted people, so yeah. I don't remember hearing about Did them. Did you ever, pers- like, think about how it was Christians who were killing Jewish people? No. No. No, no that yeah. was not a thing that was ever spoken of. Yeah, I just remember it was like, 
it was the picture of like people huddled in basements and they had to smuggle in Bibles and it was all very secretive. And then like if they were found out, they were going to die. We in like to, China or something. In China, yeah. I feel like yeah. in my head it was always in China. Yeah. That's that's what okay. I remember. And I mean, we just listened to a lot of Rush Limbaugh growing up. So you just didn't like other countries. Socialism. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I would say socialism was still a big talking point even back then with Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Right. Okay. And because this is all like pre 9-11, this is when we were young. Yeah. I feel like the, the rhetoric then shifted. The bad guys it became more Muslims later. I don't feel like that was as much talked about. In yeah. But it's wild how many stories are about Muslims in this book, even pre 9-11. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I yeah. Did this really book true. come out pre 9-11? Oh, yeah. This this book came out in 1999. So, yeah, two years before. So we were anti- anti-Islamic before it yeah. became culturally popular. <laughs> when I say we, I mean, you know, Christian publishing. We were way ahead of the curve on uh, that. Candace, what do you remember of, like, communism, socialism, Islam? Um, I, yeah, it, a lot of it was, like, these pictures in my head of people huddled in, like, underground church basements mm-hmm. in China specifically, with like the secret police storming it, hauling everyone off to prison for the rest of their lives. Or um, I feel like there's a lot of rhetoric about how Muslims were having a lot of children. A lot of that, like um, they're just populating oh, the earth, so spreading racist. is, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of that. But also I think um, the stories in particular in regarding um, Muslims were really brutal. I feel like, like mm-hmm. so I feel like those are some of the more graphic yeah. Story. No, I agree. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And so I think I, you know, wanted to categorize that just to see, like, these are still common villains, right, in white evangelicalism today that they talk about. Now, I know you guys were not like me, but the end of the book just basically goes through alphabetically all these countries where ostensibly Christians are being persecuted. You can pray for each one. And they tell you what to pray for. And, you know, those those countries and everything like I would pour over each of them and like think really hard like is this the country I'm supposed to go be a missionary to and the vast majority of the countries at the back are Muslim countries and all every time you're supposed to pray like pray that the leadership changes to Christian you know what I mean and then of course at the end of the book it's like if you care about these countries donate to Voice of the Martyrs donate to what we're doing and I don't know if I told you guys this but like You know, in 2012, when the executive director, you know, died by suicide rather than face charges for, um, you know, sexually abusing a child, like, that was also right around the time Voice of the Martyrs unveiled this, like, $28 million facility that they'd taken, like, so much of the money people had sent into Voice of the Martyrs, used it for this thing. Another really weird thing about Voice of the Martyrs is you can sign up to, like, raise money for them, and you get to keep some of that money. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like so And also like bad. what are they so do like the whole premise was so how are you helping no, they built persecuted a, people exactly? They built a twenty eight million dollar facility in a town of thirty thousand people in Oklahoma. Like that's what they did. Did they just like build a bunker for all the American Christians to escape to because we're clearly the persecuted church? Uh, they now employ they're the second highest employer in this town in Oklahoma. Like the the person who runs it is not even a a strong Christian, just the mayor of the town. Like it's all economic, y'all. Like it's just you can raise money by t- peddling these stories to people. Okay, like it is wildly corrupt. Well, it is also super profitable to prey on people's fears. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but okay, what I don't understand is how did we get from reading stories about persecuted Christians in all these other countries, which you know 
was overblown to us. It it does happen. People get persecuted for their religions, all kinds of religions. And Christians persecute. Christians persecute and Christians have been persecuted. But like people are persecuted for their faith, different faiths all over the world. Like and but how did we then as Americans internalize that as like I just it's wild to me that people read those stories and then they're like, oh, yeah, like we in America, like that so many people I know believe that like Christians in America are like being persecuted or under persecution. That's the question, isn't it? I think getting these persecution narratives like stuck in your psyche when you're a very vulnerable, impressionable teen is a part of it. It's a part of the indoctrination process, y'all. Right. Like not being allowed to pray in school is not persecution, people. Like the whole yeah, who's not allowed to pray? You're just not allowed to force everybody to pray. Right. Right. Yeah. Like the whole I was thinking the other day, like the see you at the poll thing. It was such a thing. People were so <laughs> enraged about prayer in schools. And like which is just I just found out recently that the Oklahoma City Thunder, like a NBA team, does a prayer like a team prayer before every and it's like a thing that's like either in their contract or something it's like a thing that they like when the team moved from seattle like unchurched seattle to oklahoma city like a thing i'm like how many of those because the voice of the martyrs it's probably i'm serious stupid also we did see you at the poll at my christian high school oh my god which is hilarious i was gonna ask you that but i was like there's no way yes my christian high school did see you at the poll i was like this is is so stupid that's incredible I'm like, I don't even know if I did see you at the poll. It seems like the kind of thing I would do, but I don't remember doing it, sisters. Oh, you know? we did. It we was did there. It? We literally circled the poll and like prayed towards the did American flag. That, that is not cool at all. <laughs> it seems like but it was quite the act of rebellion. <laughs> you guys, yeah, sisters so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I think, but Liz, I think you're right. Like you, if you grew up in this culture, right, you might have peers, you might have parents, you might have people who just seem to be totally all in on this persecution narrative it's because it's been fed and it's been fostered and fox news and you you know all these you know quite capitalistic places know that it works to feed aggrieved entitled people right this narrative well, it was, and it was all about freedom, right? They're coming for your churches. They're going to make you hire gay people. They're going to, you know, it was just like the this fear of the freedom. Oh, like, and taxes. Well, like, taxes. They're going to take away your tax debt. Like there was just, the, that was a true, like I feel like that was the number one thing that churches were worried about, that they were going to be forced to hire someone that they thought was immoral. Yeah. And then. It's yeah. just like being steamrolled. Just. You know like what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Very similar. Like really similar. <laughs> If you think about it's it. It's like a, it's, it's a steamrolling of ideas. Of the self. <laughs> no. <laughs> steamrolling of my rights. Okay, we can't joke about this anymore. No. I'm, I'm so sorry. guilty. Clearly, this is how I deal with trauma, okay? Well, that's a good w- way to end this, guys, because we can keep talking, but what we're really talking about right now is religious trauma and how you can get religious trauma out of you know, being indoctrinated into things when you're a kid. And everybody deserves the time and space to process this shit, okay? And that's what I'm doing here on this podcast. And uh, I'm sorry I made you guys come on here. Kiaz, what feelings are you feeling right now? You know, we're fine. We are all fine. You know what? We're great. None <laughs> of this great. really impacted us. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, we totally have enough we money. We are totally normal people. We have no depression. well. And uh, we never want to die, ever. Um... <laughs> No more minor fantasies ever we again. We feel like we belong. <laughs> I'm just looking at them both like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Oh, because oh. you're so, I was so together. well. Just kidding. We're all on Lexapro. Doubting to well, Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're not on Lexapro. A different cocktail of anxiety medications. Yeah. I am. I'm a Lexapro girl. I'm not an oil goil. Oil goil. Oh, Candace used to be an oil goil. I'm still a little bit an oil goil, but I'm also a Cymbalta goil. So Candace, it's fine if you have peppermint oil and Cymbalta. I agree. And then we're all three in therapy. So like shout out to therapy. And yeah. also shout out one of my sisters pays for the other sister to go to therapy, which I think is real nice. The slightly less traumatized, if you can, pay for the more traumatized. The neurotypical. <laughs> Coming in clutch. Yeah, Lindsay makes that neurotypical money. And so she- <laughs> <laughs> running her own business and shit you know what i mean like neurotypical money wow um, okay yeah so anyways this has been a delightful conversation i feel absolutely healed of everything <laughs> and i will never be sad again was that guys. jesus did he heal you absolutely not <laughs> i thank you guys healed me just kidding i'm really depressed right now just even talking about it i'm like oh my tummy hurts this is so bad bad it kind of reminds me of being you know being raised in a death cult which it kind of was but not everybody had that experience but it's i think it's okay for us to talk about our experience growing up how it impacted each of us differently and that's the thing guys religious trauma you can run away from it but it will come back to bite you in the butt so it's better to think it through you guys, do you have anything else you want to say? Any, uh, doesn't have to be words of wisdom, but what, anything you want to say about growing up like us, what it's like to be a Jesus freak and then not be a Jesus freak? I want to say, I feel like I've been in it. It's been a rough few years, right? Deconstructing all of that. And like, honestly, I can say that I finally feel more like myself. Yeah. I, my, I feel like my mind is finally my own. And while it's really hard and I'm definitely not the most, like, there's some mental illness in it in there, but um, <laughs> I'm finally feeling like myself. Like it's, it's, I do think that healing is coming and it's lovely and there's good things. So I don't know. I want to encourage people that if you have similar experiences that, you know, work through that shit. Like I do think it gets better. I feel much more okay than I used to. And I know that sounds crazy, but No, it doesn't. And I think it's really good that you said that because to be a Jesus freak, the end result is to not be in in touch with yourself, with your true self, yeah. right? To be oh, a Jesus yeah. freak but is you just... You have to literally deny yourself. That's yeah, the whole every yeah, element so of that. yourself. And that's why all three of us, I think, are continuing to do that work of getting in touch with who we are. More of him, less of me, right? Yes. We're like, more of me, more of me. Yes! <laughs> Put that, on, that. Yeah, put that on a keychain. More of me. More of me, more of me. Less I love of it. him, all of me. <laughs> okay, Lindsay, what about you? Uh, you are a little bit of a Jesus freak, but not really. Yeah, I think that... You're just a senior warden. I'm just a senior warden. And and frankly, I don't know that if I went anywhere else I that... I'm not like a diehard Episcopal. I happened to find a community that really, I think, saved my faith. Um, I had been one foot out of the evangelical church for a long time. Oh, yeah. I'm a class age seven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a classic Enneagram three, too. I'm like a people pleaser achiever. And so I think I went to church. Danielle and I went to the same church for a long time. And I just, yeah. So finding this Episcopal church, my, my priest is incredible. And she's, I mean, our church is run by women and queer folks. And the fact that they 
like prior, I don't know. It just it's been a really healing space, and and same. your church is actually really involved with things going on in Portland, including houselessness. Yeah, and working with uh, unhoused populations was never something that I set out to do, and but our church has run a hot meal program for like twenty five years, feeding people a hot meal every Saturday. And then they started a food pantry in the pandemic. And then we have a shower truck and laundry truck that comes on Saturdays. And then we hand out, I run our like hygiene ministry. We hand out everything from soap to underwear to hand sanitizer. We started in the pandemic just handing out hand sanitizer and face masks that like little ladies in our church would sew. So yeah, yeah, it's been, I've learned a lot and it's wonderful to be like with like-minded people that see, like that treat people like I think that Jesus would treat yeah. people. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not perfect. I still have questions. I mean, I'm still figuring out what I believe about things. And it's like, I, I look back on like, like why was like the inerrancy of scripture such a big deal? Like a book that was written by a bunch of dudes who didn't even know each other. Like, why did we decide that th- not control. a single word yeah. can be wrong? Yeah. You know, like I certainly, but I also think that like, I have the freedom to ask those questions and I can be a little bit of a doubting Thomas. And turns out that like doubt, I think saved me in some ways. Like the fact that I had some questions and I wasn't all in has allowed me the space to like kind of figure out what like faith looks like to me. Yeah. I love it. I feel like for both of you, I can see these prophecies being reclaimed, right? In some really beautiful ways. And so I'm just glad to be here, you know, talking about this both of you. So thanks, guys. Thanks, sister. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. Become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1.50 a month and join our community with extra episodes and a Facebook group to talk about Jesus Freak, religious trauma, and growing up evangelical. You can find us online at propheticimaginationstation.com as well as Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening.